and welcome to another episode of the Energy Central Power Perspectives podcast. The podcast where we deep dive into conversations from high-level executives and established thought leaders in the utility space, bringing the boardroom insights to our listeners. I'm your host, Jason Price of West Monroe, coming to you from New York City. I'm joined by my podcast producer and Energy Central's community manager, Matt Chester. Matt, today we're going to talk clean energy commitments at the utilities, specifically the what's and how behind the transition to clean energy and what's it been like for large IOUs. Do you think the job is done? You know, I don't think anyone is yet ready to hang the mission accomplished banners. We have some ambitious commitments coming from utilities, from private companies, from policymakers and more, but there's still a lot of work to do to make good on those promises. I fully agree. Every state has different mandates and moving at their own pace. But today we have the pleasure of speaking with one of the big movers and shakers toward clean energy in the utility space. In just a moment, we're going to be joined by Greg Bernoski, a director at Arizona Public Service, or APS, who is helping leading the utility in its efforts to adapt clean and renewable energy generation. But before we bring Greg in, let's give a quick shout out to our sponsors for this podcast who made this episode possible. To West Monroe, West Monroe works with the nation's largest electric, gas, and water utilities in their telecommunication, grid modernization, and digital and workforce transformations. West Monroe brings a multidisciplinary team that blends operational expertise, customer experience, and technology to address the challenges of modernizing aging infrastructure, transportation electrification, ADMS deployments, and challenges presented by the proliferation of DER and cybersecurity. To ESRI, ESRI is an international supplier of geographic information, and that includes GIS software, WebGIS, and geodatabase management applications. To GuideHouse, formerly Navigant Research, GuideHouse is a premier market research and advisory firm covering the global energy transformation. To Enterix, Enterix focuses on delivering transformative broadband that enables the modernization of critical infrastructure for the energy, transportation, logistics, and other sectors of our economy. And to Scott Madden. Scott Madden is a management consulting firm serving clients across the energy utility ecosystem. Areas of focus include transmission and distribution, the grid edge, generation, energy markets, rates and regulations, corporate sustainability, and corporate services. The firm helps clients develop and implement strategies, improve critical operations, reorganize departments, and entire companies, and implement a myriad of initiatives. Today's guest is Greg Bernoski of Arizona Public Service, who offered to jump on the power perspective and share with all of us exactly the clean energy commitments at APS. In January 2020, APS publicly pledged to provide 100% clean carbon-free electricity to its customers by 2050, which included a 2030 interim target of 65% clean energy and 45% renewable energy and the phase-out of coal completely by 2031. At this time, and still to this day, these commitments have been some of the most ambitious seen across the utility sector, and a key voice in developing those goals at APS was Greg Bernoski. Greg joined APS in 2007, working his way up from a transmission line siting consultant to his position today as Director of Corporate Strategy for APS and its parent company, Pinnacle West Capital Corporation. But in talking to Greg, one thing is clear. APS's goals aren't just to comply with government regulation. Instead, Greg believes his company wants to give their customers and stakeholders what they want and send a message about what utilities can and should be doing amid this energy transition. 
Only time will tell if APS is committed to more than it can meet. While the topic of adopting clean energy and sunsetting fossil fuel generation is nothing new, the scale at which APS is pushing for this to happen has been mostly unrivaled. And as one of the leading voices in that push, we're eager to chat with Greg about the ins and outs of what that looks like from within the utility. So let's get inside and take a look. Greg Bernoski, welcome to the Energy Central Power Perspectives podcast. Thank you, Jason and Matt. I very much appreciate the hearty introduction and the opportunity to join you and, and really appreciate the conversations that you all have been hosting in, on these topics. Great. Greg, we are thrilled to have you on Power Perspectives. Over the years, Arizona has had its fits and starts on addressing the energy transition. Can you give us a background on the energy landscape in Arizona? In some, it's complicated. We've had a lot of different policies and, and evolutions of policy over time. We have a unique regulatory structure. We have a unique climate. There's a lot of uniqueness to Arizona and our condition. I would describe a few fundamentals as important to think about when you look at what's going on in Arizona. For one, it's often sunny and hot for a good chunk of the year which drives a lot of our energy needs at the most significant, highest levels during the year, are driven by that summer air conditioning load, the, the surge of use in those late afternoon and evening hours when folks are coming home from work and school and just needing to be cool and comfortable in their homes. We also are an area of high customer growth. We're one of the fastest growing regions in the country. We have a lot of folks moving to Arizona from other parts of the West and throughout the U.S. And so we have a growing population and energy needs to manage around that. So, you know, we've got a significant amount of resource needs and growing resource needs. We also have a very diverse you know, state. We have folks that live in concentrated metropolitan areas. We have a lot of rural areas and we have needs that are very different in the desert Southwest, but also at the tops of mountains. We serve, our APS specifically serves the bottom of the Grand Canyon and the tops of some of our mountainous areas and, and alpine regions. So we have a very unique set of customer needs throughout our own service territory. We're also next door to California and what happens there matters a lot to us from an energy usage and policy perspective. And we you know, have to navigate our system in the context of that large big brother next door that has uh, quite an influence on regional national energy policy. We have our own state dynamics that are just unique in terms of how energy regulation is managed, uh, who has jurisdiction over it, and who's driving that. And frankly, that in the more recent years has led us to, and others to forge our own paths when it comes to what do we want to do next to meet our energy needs and our customer interests. All right. Well, let's discuss the APS commitments. Like I said, 65% clean energy by 2030 and 100% clean energy by 2050. How are those levels determined? And what exactly will be required between now and then to achieve these goals? You know, I'll start with your, your second question first. And, and three things come to mind, diligence, innovation, and collaboration. And I think, frankly, the diligence part of this is gonna require a lot of us as utilities, as, as customers, as stakeholders, policymakers, to really put our heads down and work towards these goals. It's one thing to say them and, and identify them, and I'll talk a little bit about how we came to identify our goals, but it's going to take a lot of work to achieve them. And frankly, we know that there's 
been a lot of innovation and breakthrough technology that has happened over the last decade that has shaped our energy options now. There are many more things coming and, and things we haven't thought of yet that will shape the next 10 years and 20 years and beyond. And so that innovation is gonna be critical for us to optimize how we provide energy for customers in a reliable and cost-effective way. And that obviously requires collaboration across many different fronts of the economy, be it utilities, policymakers, customers, stakeholders, investors. So the diligence, innovation, and collaboration are critical in getting there. Now, where is the there? Uh, we, you mentioned 65% clean energy by 2030, 100% clean or carbon-free by 2050. You know, we, we have the advantage, APS and in Arizona, of operating the nation's largest nuclear power plant in Palo Verde Nuclear Generating Station. And that is a 100% carbon-free resource that has an exceptional performance record and production of, of clean energy for not only Arizona, but the, the Southwest region. And we believe that that is a, a fantastic tailwind from which to build our carbon-free aspirations going into the near term through 2030 and over the long term. So we really want to lean into using Palo Verde as a, the anchor for what has become one of the most diverse and significant renewable portfolios in the Southwest. We have well over a gigawatt of solar generation on our system. We have a diverse type of solar, not only grid scale, large resources in the usual locations like a desert Southwest, but we also have uh, solar facilities in the North and in areas where if you have a, a weather system passing through a region of the state, that doesn't take all of our solar down. We've been able to geographically diversify where we have it. We have uh, concentrated solar photovoltaic. We have a lot of rooftop solar on homes and businesses. And so we have solar in abundance and we have a very diverse both technology and geographically distributed across our state. That is another significant tailwind for how we think about achieving these goals. And then just continuing to look at and invest in the right level of wind resources, energy storage, looking at the customer as a resource and thinking about how to pair energy efficiency and things that are happening behind the meter into the mix going forward. So we really thought we were coming from a strong starting position to be able to build towards a 100% carbon-free future. And I think I'm excited about our potential to get there. Terrific. But you know, everyone has set goals and these goals are far into the future. So I want to ask you about accountability. How do you address accountability to these goals? Who will be ultimately accountable if these goals are not met? Well, I think we, we are 100%. I know we are 100% behind getting to these goals and, and making them outcomes that we will achieve. Our CEO, Jeff Goldner, doesn't say things out loud that he doesn't intend to follow through on or have the organization follow through on. And we are 100% behind him in, in achieving those outcomes. You know, we answer to our customers, investors, and regulators. All of them want to see this transformation occur. Each of them have different needs in getting there. Ultimately, they are some of the highest level accountability that we can ever produce. Certainly, we expect that we will hold ourselves to metrics and, and gauge our performance year over year. Uh, I know our regulators and stakeholders will expect the same. But at the end of the day, we wouldn't have said this and done this and moved down this path if we weren't all in on getting there and making sure that we're bringing you know, customers, stakeholders, investors with us. 
Okay, well, Greg, you know, setting energy goals isn't just a feel-good measure. It's hard work, and there are challenges to address like cost and reliability. So my question to you is, how is APS balancing those goals with the challenges that some people worry will be introduced by more renewables on the grid? You know, it's a great and important question. But frankly, we don't worry about more renewables. We are in a mindset of welcoming them, optimizing them, and finding the greater and greatest value for them and from them. And while there are certainly operational considerations that we and other utilities will need to navigate as we see higher and higher levels of, of intermittent generation, it doesn't create something we need to worry about, shy away from, work around. It really is a call to action to say, how do we best integrate? How do we optimize? What's the pairing of technologies that we need to see happen in order for these to be the most efficient use of, of energy for our customers. We think that price signals and how our rates are designed and structured play a significant role in how we can integrate renewables into our, our energy mix going forward. We need to see you know, technology and, and want to send the right signals to have technology scale, see efficiency and cost improvements. We want to test what shows promise and, and move past what doesn't. And so we have a lot of work we do, whether it's pilots or limited deployment projects of, of various technologies to say, hey, is this working? Is this something that we think is, is showing promise to help best integrate the growing renewable energy that's available in our market and, and, and points beyond? So, you know, we're, we no doubt have learned a lot from watching some of the situations that have happened in the region, be it California or Texas, over the last year or two. But we think we're situated in such a great position. We have a great leadership, not only at our utility, but throughout the state. We think that we've got a real opportunity with the growth of renewable energy to do it right, to do it well, to, to make it something that is a meaningful pillar of our energy portfolio going forward. I don't want to let go of the goals discussion just yet, so I'm going to have a follow-up. The goals set out by APS raise the bar across the utility sector. What, what have other utilities said to you about this high expectation? Why so high? And Greg, are you setting yourself up for a day of reckoning? We know we can do this and, and that we should do this. And frankly, it's good business. You know, we have, as I mentioned, a real starting point that we're we're building from that is real, tangible, is something that we know we can grow where we are now from the clean energy portfolio we have into that complete clean energy of the future. This is about economic growth, jobs, innovation, frankly, helping to transform and, and play our part in a clean economy. And so we, we really look at this as not just how high can we set a bar and, and what does that look like relative to you know another utility or how does that bumper sticker look next to someone else's bumper sticker the reality is this is a good move for our customers for our business it's what people expect we know we will get there when we lean into it when we have a goal like this to set and i guess to your question that's one thing that i've heard folks say back to us is that they know that without a goal like the type we've announced their companies won't get there because it takes something like that to really rally and identify and create an identity for what you're doing, how your employees uh, engage with this and where others that are watching you 
have a better feel for what they should expect. And so it really has been met very positively and something that I think from an underestimating perspective really has been a rallying point for our employees to say, we stand for this and we believe that this is something that we can provide and, and deliver to our customers and to Arizona. To get back to your question, the, the day of reckoning, you know, isn't there a day of reckoning if we don't do this that may be potentially far worse? Greg, just like Jason asked earlier, it does come down to the accountability aspect of it. I'm curious, you know, and in this type of benchmark setting, sometimes there's maybe not the criticism, but people make the point that, you know, the ones who are making the commitments today are unlikely to be the ones in charge in 20 to 30 years. So do you anticipate that you'll be doing sort of regular checkpoints and adjustments to the commitments as you see how reality comes to align with those goals? You know, of course, everybody, every business is paying attention to the dynamics in which it operates, what's, what's happening in the market, what, what are the drivers, what are new indicators that are, require attention. It doesn't change the endpoint that we're seeking to, to achieve. We set up interim milestones with, this, with a certain expectation that people will want to know, how are you doing? And that's why our 2030 goal of, of 65% clean energy is a material expansion for where we are now. That basically means we need to triple the amount of renewable energy that we had in our portfolio, which was already a significant portfolio, in 10 years. And, and that was an accountability we wanted not only to demonstrate to others, but to ourselves to help guide our procurement decisions as we put together integrated resource plans and we work with stakeholders to design requests for proposals and what our needs are. It really is an accountability that we can point back to and say, this is how we have to walk this path to get where we want to go. Greg, can you share with our listeners some details of the financing behind the clean energy push? I know you passed your first green bond in 2020. Do you have further programs like this planned? Yeah, we were really excited about the green bond and it was $400 million of 30 year debt issued in September of last year. It was a first of our kind green bond. And the distinction there was to apply proceeds to green expenditures and, and report on those investments out to bondholders. Those expenditures are, are for investments like you would expect, renewables, energy storage, efficiency programs, climate change adaptation, EV infrastructure. We have for some time had some very unique and productive ways to finance, be it utility owned or, or third party owned renewable projects. We've been very efficient in getting projects to scale and, and commercialized. We have realized for customers and, and our investors some real opportunities in our utility ownership. And that's actually spanned from utility scale to uh, behind the meter technologies. We have a very unique set of APS owned assets that have been really unique deployments, particularly in solar energy that we're very proud of. Let's talk a bit further about the different sources of energy, clean energy generation. So your goals include solar and wind. That's what the public is mostly aware of, but it sounds like you're implementing other types of energy sources. What are those and how do you approach appropriately funding and implementing these various decarb tools simultaneously? You know, I think we look at our resource need and mix as an all of the above solution. We have invested and seen great progress, as I mentioned, in, in renewables and specifically solar over the last five to 10 years in particular. 
But we have baseload resources, some of which, and significantly of which, nuclear generating that is carbon-free. We have short-duration peaking resources. We have intermittent resources that we are, again, pairing up with battery storage to kind of optimize when their availability is. But increasingly, we have and consider customers as, as part of our resource mix. They are doing so many things at their homes and businesses that create efficiencies for themselves that allow us to kind of optimize our system and our needs around their uh, energy consumption and, and how we are working with them to really optimize energy usage. And in some cases when there's you know, surplus energy that we can shift around and move around, working with the customer as a resource in addition to you know, traditional and, and renewable generation sources. So there's some really exciting things to think about when you look at the portfolio of options that a utility like us has. We think it's important, again, to have the right price signals that, that say, when you talk about the customer as a resource, how do we best optimize around keeping them comfortable, serving their energy needs, but also perhaps, you know, signaling ways that which if, if consumption occurs during certain hours of the day, we can you know, share savings across the system. And if we utilize more energy, for example, in low cost periods of the day, then we may be able to avoid certain infrastructure and, and costs and expenses. And we think about that a lot, particularly as electric vehicles and electrification begins to scale. You know, we have a significant amount of midday energy that is available increasingly from renewable resources. How can we shift energy consumption to take advantage of those periods of the day and avoid others where we may be paying a premium or needing to add additional resources to serve load in, in those high heat, late day hours. Those are real challenges that the customer can be a part of solution with. And, and we're really trying to lean into those areas and right size our portfolio with the customer in mind. This has been really insightful. Uh, before we let you go, we're going to put you on your toes with our lightning round. So, Greg, each response that we're going to ask is followed up with either one word or one phrase answer. Are you ready? Uh, okay. Go-to karaoke song. I avoid karaoke like the plague, but I have a pretty deep voice, and uh, I'll admit that Elvira by the Oak Ridge Boys has been known to happen occasionally for me. Do you get your best work done in the morning or in the afternoon? Uh, neither. It's evening or, or nighttime. Favorite snack at the ballpark or carnival? Oh, you know, when I could find funnel cakes, I love funnel cakes. Dogs or cats? Dogs, but I have a, a new rescue that I uh, would love to <laughs> either have, him, uh, have some better habits or maybe find someone else who would enjoy his company. Most dreaded chore. Ooh. You know, I, my first high school job was hand-washing dishes at a restaurant, so I'm going to say hand-washing dishes. And last, what are you most optimistic about? You know, maybe a strange answer, but I'm really optimistic about the next generation and the talents and the perspectives that they bring. I've, my daughter is getting ready to graduate high school, and... We've been part of, of those activities. And I'm just so impressed with the perseverance and the mindsets that they have and technology uh, capabilities and just the, how impressive that next generation 
uh, is uh, coming up here. And I, I look forward to them being in the workforce and being a part of, of our future uh, together with, with my generation. Well done. Uh, as reward, you've earned the final word. So knowing that many of your utility peers and decision makers are likely listening, what's the message you want to impart? What's the best piece of advice you have for the industry as a whole moving forward? You know, I, I touched on it before, but it, I think it's, a, it's an all of the above mindset. It's a just say yes mindset and, a, and perhaps that we need your help mindset. We are, we are an industry in, in significant transformation. We provide such a value to customers and to society, but we are in a period of, of profound change and each utility is, is confronting it in new and unique ways and it's different from one area of the country to another. But I think all of us want to have as many tools in the toolbox. We want to have as many folks with us that can help solve for these complicated issues. And we frankly want to give customers what they want. And we want to be able to say yes when they want something from us. And so I think embracing those mindsets will really help us all going forward. Greg, this has been a terrific conversation. And we thank you for sharing your insights into the clean energy transition at APS. We'll definitely be watching the progress toward those goals. And perhaps we'll have to check back in with you to see how things are going on in a future episode. So thanks again for joining us today. Thank you, Jason and Matt. I really appreciate it. And uh, please, uh, no karaoke. <laughs> well, you can always reach Greg through the Energy Central platform where he welcomes your questions and comments. Once again, I'm your host, Jason Price. Plug in and stay fully charged in the discussion by hopping into the community at energycentral.com. See you next time at the Energy Central Power Perspectives Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>